0: no matter how small you are measure twice and cut once. And it's easier to do it as you're making your first step than it is to reverse the damage you've done by making, you know, a hundred steps, right?
1: Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I got a good one for you guys today. I have been following this man for about a year. I've had several connection calls with him and we just geeked out on all things sales management and talent acquisition. So I wanted to bring him on the show so you guys could experience a little bit of his genius. I have with me today, Brian Alexander. He's a sales management consultant, as well as he's got a talent optimization company called Expressing the Genius Within, and they use Predictive Index to hire the right talent for the right seat. So naturally, I had to have him on the show. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. That intro has me fired up. <laughs> awesome, man. You know, we get that a lot around here. We, uh, we've invested in it, you know what I mean? As, as all things, when you have intention with it, you know what I mean? You typically get a good response from it, right? Right, right, right. I like it. So I was uh, cyber-stalking you earlier, and uh, I noticed that you had a post about homeschooling. So do, do, you, do you and your, your, your family, do you all homeschool? We do. I have an uh, eight-year-old daughter and a four-year-old daughter turning
0: five, actually, in April. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've homeschooled from the beginning, just kind of uh, set out to do it. And fortunately enough, have built a life to be able to support that. My wife is full-time homeschooling mom and uh, CEO of the household. So uh, Mm -hmm. we have our roles carved out for us. And we're we're happy. I'm not going to say it's the easiest
1: thing to do, but it's the most rewarding for sure. I love it. And I love it because, uh, you know, my wife was a teacher for a long time. And I don't know if you know this, but just uh, four months ago, she started her own uh, homeschool tutoring service. Okay, So she has a brick and mortar location. And if uh, students are struggling in a particular area, they'll, they'll bring them into her brick and mortar location, and then she'll, she'll, she'll tutor them. And, you know, she's got her master's and math instruction and curriculum. And so, like, that's her zone of genius, I guess you could say, yeah, yeah. uh, it's been going really well, she paid herself for the first time this month. So that was pretty cool to see her go from like four months ago, not even having a location to like, I think she's got like 12 clients right now, roughly. And they're on, you know, weekly schedules, weekly tutoring schedules. And she's building a little homeschool community, you know, within her group. And she has like these events for holidays and stuff like that for them to get out of the house and just come hang out and play and all that good stuff. So it's, uh, it's been interesting seeing, you know, that dynamic because our, our, our kids have always been in public school, you know, and because she was the teacher at the school. So like naturally they went wherever she went and then she got to spend time with them every day in between breaks and lunch and recess and whatever. And so uh, but now, you know, she started her own business doing that.
0: That's amazing. There's going to be a huge demand for that uh, within the next five years or so. I think Mm -hmm. more and more parents are reevaluating. who they're allowing to raise their children, and and uh-huh. you know, let's face it, they're they're your children are being indoctrinated by somebody. Values mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> are being instilled, and it's you know, is it if they're away from the parents for eight hours a day, you get better pray to God that you have great teachers. But you know, even if your teachers are great, you kind of have the blind leading the blind in terms of mm-hmm. the peers, the children raising the children. Uh, and I choose to you know. I think take the harder path and and let's let's homeschool the girls uh build the values we want teach them what we feel is going to be useful and necessary and um but just like business coaches you know we use a a ton of different co-ops and people always like yeah how are you going to socialize your children i'm like they're not dogs (laughs) dogs you know it's uh there's plenty of things to do there's more and more homeschooling co-ops more people um, to be resources, that's another objection we get is like, yeah. you never went to school to become a teacher. What makes you think you're equipped to to be able to do that? I'm like, well, nobody cares about my children more than me and my wife. And right. Too, I'm resourceful. I'm going to find people who can help me. And, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to facilitate their education, but yeah. I'm not the one necessarily doing all the work. Right.
1: Right. Not necessarily writing the curriculum. You're just executing the curriculum. You know
0: exactly, what I mean?
1: exactly. Yeah, and, and and there is a ton of resources. My wife's been to the, uh, you know, the conferences that they have, and you know, she's she's now in that community. She's in the Facebook groups, and they're all using different resources that are built for homeschool or yeah. built in the classroom and adapted to homeschool. And yeah. so, you know, it's 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 like everything else. Like you can, you can dive into it and learn it. And like you said, like your wife's dedicated to it. You know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying like that's her. You know that's her full-time job right now is to educate and to care for the kids during the day and so nobody's gonna be better at that job you know what I'm right, saying? And, right. And, and nobody's gonna be more willing to say hey i need help you know what i mean because she doesn't want to sacrifice her kids education you know so like if she yeah. does then she's gonna reach out for those resources those groups those co-ops you know no i couldn't i i couldn't agree more and so and that's one of the things i've realized too about the socialization piece like living out in the country now, you know, our kids are making friends with, you know, these kids that have lived out there their whole life. And you know, there's acres between houses. So it's not like you can just go knock on your friend's door, you know what I'm saying, without going through a field or down a very sketchy country road, you know what I'm saying? So we don't just let our kids like ride around the neighborhood, right? Because there's loose dogs. Like there's also issues with, you know, human trafficking and stuff like that. right you know, that happens out there in the country. So it's like, it's more of a planned thing, you know? So when you think about it, like, and so we meet these kids and they're like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, they have great manners and everything. And I'm like, it's because they're constantly exposed to their parents and not their friends, you know what I'm saying? Their parents are instilling that in them and making that effort. And then, yeah, they are part of traditional homes where, you know, dad's going out working, making the bacon and then mom's staying home with the kids. And so even if they're not in public school, they're getting that education, that indoctrination, and they are, they're way more well-behaved than my kids in terms of manners and in terms of, you know, how they treat others, you know? And so I have to work harder because I'm working against the public school system or I'm working against their friends and them teaching them, you know, different stuff. And, and so like, it is, it's a, it's a challenge for sure, you know, and I know, that's not necessarily what this show is about, but, you know, we're all about <laughs> leadership and leadership starts in the home, right? So that's right. <laughs> I don't want to get too, too far off track here. So, no, yeah,
0: yeah, But but you're right. Uh, we are leaders. I don't mm-hmm. care if you're a CEO or, or a parent or a friend or a brother or a mm-hmm. dad. We're either leading ourselves or leading other people. And, and, you know, you have to be able to lead yourself to be able to lead other people.
1: Mm-hmm. 100%. So speaking of being leaders, uh, you lead a sales team right now. Can you kind of walk us through what the setup is? Is it all virtual? And uh, how, how you got into that role that you have right now?
0: Yeah, so I actually, I um, owned a couple micro gyms, um, you know, for okay. about a decade. And I did business coaching for other micro gyms uh, for, let's see, about five years um, toward the, the tail end of the the 10 years of owning gyms. And. I liked it a lot. I loved helping gym owners, um, gym owners are, are terrible business people. Um, (laughs) you know, they clear a lot and they, they got into the business of owning a gym because they wanted to change lives, but nobody has ever taught them anything about business. Um, so we were there to teach them systems processes, you know, a framework to follow for their business. So they didn't have a job. They actually had, you know, an asset or a business to, to be proud of. Um, so it did that for a while and we kept running into kind of the, the same problems of, you know, they would, we would have issues with with some of the the systems that we were teaching and they would have issues and it ended up being that, you know, I fell in love with the people part. So the systems and processes had to happen, but the people part of it was really what uh, intrigued me, like putting the right people into the right seats to thrive. And that kind of is going to bleed into the, the consulting company that I started yeah. uh, outside of sales management, but it kind of all blends together. Um, I ended up selling my gym in January of 2020, right before the the madness. I stopped doing business coaching and I, I kind Did of, you know, warned. something we didn't know, <laughs> No, like uh, two months I, later, the that, shit hit the fan. You, I was due. Uh, I, had a, I had a string of bad decisions and that was one of the best decisions. Of <laughs> okay. Ever. Awesome. I was due let's just uh, put it that way um but so you know i sold the gym i stopped doing the business consulting for the gyms i wanted to kind of play in a bigger pond and Mm -hmm. i started my own consulting company with for talent optimization uh helping companies hire and put the right people into the right seats using behavioral data scientifically validated behavioral assessments and i was talking to a friend of mine and this is where it bleeds back into building a, a a sales team Um, He was like, what are you going to do? You know, like you just sold the gym. Long time friend. And, you know, you just sold the gym. I'm like, look, we made money selling the gym. I don't have to do anything right now. I I have no idea what I want to do. I know I'm going to build my own company. and, And, you know, that takes a lot of effort, energy and hard work. And he's like, well, you know, why don't you start with, you know, helping my my company. And he told me finally what he did. He he had told me before, but I never really like paid attention to him. He's like, look, I I work for this laser company. We're in dentistry. We're kind of like the LASIK for gum surgery. And um, we basically kind of help people with all of the same health problems that you helped in the gym, but Mm -hmm. from a a gum disease standpoint. And I'm like, okay, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, well, why don't you help me with your assessments? Because I know they're looking at hiring. Why don't you help yeah. me with that kind of stuff? And we can see if, you know, there's a fit where I can help you get into this company and do that. And the more yeah. we kind of talked, he's like, you know, really there's an opening in New York. I think actually the more I talk to you, the more I think you'd be really good at this and it's entrepreneurial and, he, yeah. you know, sputtered off all the, the, the benefits. He took two months out of the year sabbatical. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, kind of a work-life balance at that point, especially after being an entrepreneur and, you know, not really having much of it and uh you know i just ended up saying shoot you know i started right before the lockdowns i started right during COVID. i'm like you know what i'll give it a shot Mm -hmm. and COVID happened um the whole business model changed the whole world changed uh did a lot of virtual appointments i was drinking from a fire hose kind of learning um dentistry and laser physics um the the benefit though was because we went virtual the Mm -hmm. volume of, of Calls and webinars that we hosted and, and presentations that we did virtually was like ten times the normal amount. Yeah, so I was able to kind of learn at a very fast clip because of the volume um, that I was exposed mm-hmm. to. Play. And um, after the first year, you know, we did really well, crushed it. Um, Any and our directors like, look, I want to build out a sales team. Why don't you look for people that might be good at this and, and immediately like look gym owners <laughs> yeah. we got our gym owners they're entrepreneurial they have their system personal systems nailed in um you know they're hard workers they have the entrepreneurial grit and mm. i these behavioral assessments i can help you find more of, of people like me so i kind of married those two things and and then mm-hmm. took my experience with coaching gym owners and i called kind of my top gym owners in different regions i'm like look some Coach of all their
1: all their businesses were doing this right now.
0: Yeah, they were all, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and gym ownership is exhausting to begin with. It's it's a lot of emotional energy mm-hmm. uh, and bandwidth, you know, in addition to time, because you have personal relationships with your 10 coaches, yeah. I mean, 300 members. So, you know, I was able to kind of talk to a lot of them. I got seven, I, I built a team of seven or eight gym owners um, mm-hmm. in the whole organization and underneath me to do what I did and replicate the the success that we saw and my director saw, you know, in the 10 years prior to me joining, we scaled it, we systemized everything. And, and, you know, we grew the company from like seven mil in 2019 before I started mm-hmm. to 15 million last year, which is, you know, it's, it's not huge, wow. but it's,
1: it's pretty yeah, that's incredible. Massive. <laughs> that's massive. No. And what I love about that is, you know, so many, so many people are looking for the, the systemized and the consistent fix right when there's opportunities in the way markets change and there's opportunities in niches you know they can go after and capitalize on those like in your case it was you know you knew the gym the gym business was going downhill because of covid and it, it was going to be in the gutter for at least a couple of years right right and so um you took advantage of that and you had these motivated entrepreneurial minded people that needed the gap closed in the meantime and so you were able to recruit a team of general owners to sell dental laser equipment i mean if if that's not like square peg round hole you know (laughs) from outside looking in but i feel like you know and i don't want to get too into this yet because i do want to talk about some sales management stuff but i feel like because of your talent optimization background you were able to recognize hey these are the same people these are our people that we need to go after this is the profile Right. So going into the sales management piece currently with your team, do you have a, so it's all remote management, remote team. You guys aren't meeting in person ever. We had our very first sales summit, um,
0: last two weeks ago, actually mm-hmm. where we all got together with, uh, our headquarters, you know, the, the founders of the company, yeah. but that really hasn't mm-hmm. happened for like a decade prior to, to us being there. So, um, nice. No, you're right. It's it's 100% remote. You're okay. on island as both a you know a director and as uh, you know an actual 1099 consultant. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know there's a lot of interaction virtually, and we meet yeah. up. And we have like you know, state dinners. We invite doctors, and you know I go and support my reps at those nice. things. We
1: see each other once in a while, but it's usually separately and and kind of compartmentalized, right? Right. So, what are you doing uh, to manage that team remotely? Is there a cadence you have, a weekly sales meeting? Is there a daily check-in? You know, yeah. can you walk us through some of those systems that you have in place? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, tools, Asana and Slack are, are some of the big tools that we use to manage um, collaboration, communication, things of that nature. Um, a, a non-negotiable weekly Monday morning kickoff, no matter what, um, with my sales team. Um, I love that. Just address any challenges i mean you know this organization is it's kind of like bottling lightning and um (laughs) you know organized chaos right like when i came in there was no no actual concrete sops or systems right Uh, and then add in the remote piece it makes it a lot more challenging you know you can send as many emails as you want to doesn't mean they've read them or they've had time to um uh, really understand them or even work on them right so that monday morning Mandatory kickoff is is huge, um, not only to just cross off items that are outstanding, um, but also just be a sounding board and, and uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, your group for your team members to say, hey, you know, I'm having a hard time here. What's working for you? Three or four yeah. people, five people. Um, so that works really well. I, I would never change that. Mm-hmm. And um, outside of that, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm constantly talking with these guys and, and one girl in right. my team uh, every day. I'm, I'm, I'm available to help them close. Right. Whatever the case is, mm-hmm. uh, they call me. They have a prospect on the phone. Um, I'm, I'm there for them no matter what. You know, it could be seven o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock at night. Um, my
1: whole job is to support them. Mm-hmm. And i try to do the best I, I can with that. So most sales teams will track, you know, units of sales, uh, you know, dollars, um, you know, amount of sales, you know, those top line metrics, you know, maybe even gross revenue. But what are you guys uh, tracking inside the business in terms of like conversion rates, you know, uh, uh, dollar per sale or what are those metrics that kind of like if you had a dashboard in front of you that you have on that dashboard and you're on top of with your team?
0: The big one is, believe it or not, it's, it's not as much, you know, 50 calls X, Y, and Z. Um, okay. it is, it's, it's a lot more, I would say, looking at the habits that will lead to success. So what are those KPIs? Are oh, going now? back even further? Yeah. Even further yeah. than the controllable actions. Okay. We do. and And because we know those actions are going to lead to the outcomes. So the big one we look at is researching 50 new doctors. We micro target a specific geographic area, um, say who are, we'll research individually and say, who are the 50 best prospects in that little area? We'll pick, you know, let's say it's, um, Alpharetta, Georgia. And we'll take a Mm -hmm. little radius clip of that and we'll do our research from there. Pick our top 50, um, opportunities that, you know, we're own, you know, we're, we're, putting our stake in it who are we going to spend our time energy effort and money on in order to yield the best results so we we do that on a weekly basis and then really we're hitting uh research for cell phones so using a tool uh, called like heartbeat ai there's a lot of other ones out there sure grabbing cell phones because you know emails uh, uh,
1: kind of dead yeah (laughs) it's on, on its last legs right it's it's automated so like it's not dead in terms of you know you can't get leads from it. It's dead in terms of the actual conversion rate of, you know, you're going to need a thousand emails to make one sale, right? right. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I'm with you there. So what are y'all doing on the, on the tech side? Are y'all uh, texting their personal cell phones? Are these the doctors or like the gatekeepers or
0: no? Yeah. We go straight to the doctor. We, we, mm-hmm. the gatekeeper at all costs. We, we don't even play in that realm. Um, mm-hmm. Good news in our space. The doctor is the decision maker and, and right. what we do is, is really beneficial. Not only for the patient, because it's like, you know, we sell the LASIK of, of gum surgery, right? So mm-hmm. like taking a scalpel to your eye um, for better vision. Like nobody does that anymore. Right. In right. dentistry, it, the norm, the, the standard of it's the scalpel. And it's like, you know, stitches. And it, it's, it, it's like barbaric, right? What we do is none of that. No stitches, no scalpel. It's incredible. But the mm-hmm. doctor also makes a lot of money with it, right? It costs 100 grand, but that the return on investment on this is incredible.
1: So you guys pick the right product. You know, so many, you know, I, I come across so many salespeople and they tell me about their product and how they're struggling to sell it and everything. And it's like, at some point, it's not about you and your systems and your talent and your skills. Sometimes you're just selling the wrong product. The wrong product still exists, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, you may need to sell something that you believe a little more in. You know, you can hear it in their voice when they're convicted on it, you know, right, the right, very right. fact that we're talking about, you know, scalpel versus <laughs> laser and dental, you know, means that you believe in the product that you're selling. So it's wild. Right. I never,
0: never would have carved this little path out for myself, but uh mm-hmm. you're selling a laser in, in dentistry, right?
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it, though. It's it's one of those things. It's like you just have a barometer for it. You know, when you hear somebody talking about a product, you're like, man, I could sell the crap out of that. You know, right. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, let's, let's go into the talent optimization. So one of the biggest questions I get, and it's typically for my clients that have one salesperson or haven't hired that salesperson yet, is like, how do I find the right people? So how would you answer that question? I would say no matter
0: how small you are, measure twice and cut once. And it's easier to do it as you're making your first step than it is to reverse the damage you've done by making, you know, hundred steps right mm-hmm. um the what we do is we we really take a, a good amount of time to define the role behaviorally speaking and then to do what we call a job assessment around that role mm-hmm. so you know you take stakeholders in the role you'll you know if if you have a rock star in the role that you want to clone or replicate that's ideal we would use that as a benchmark and then we take stakeholders who have visibility in, in that role or, or or have some kind of um, stake in it. Right. And we say, okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have you fill out what you feel this role needs individually. I'm going to take all the data that we compile for what you think the role would need, or the person in the role would need to be successful. And we're going to mm-hmm. reconcile all those differences and then we're going to create a job target for you to hire against. And just by doing that, it makes, it forces everybody to get very clear on what the role needs, where the role is today and where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And then you have that behavioral objective data to hire again so it's not these it's not feelings or emotions it's like no right. we have objective data we've we've taken a lot of time to define what success is going to be in the role or who would be successful in the role and once you add that layer of objective data your batting average goes up instantaneously to, to the mm-hmm. point of I would I would blindly bet on the data and the culture fit so uh, you know uh, matching of values and and, and believing in the mission like that's the culture piece but then the behavioral data those two i'll take that all day over experience and resume and briefcase and all of that and, and if i had to blindly bet on it i would
1: 100 bet on the data i love it so do you do you wait okay so like you've got within the company let's just say you've got the sales manager right and they're hiring they're, they want to hire their first salesperson you've got the owner then maybe you got some other executives in the business, right? And uh, do you weight differently what the opinion of that role and responsibilities should be? And then the results of it, do you weight it differently depending on who's answering those questions? Or is it like you all come up with an even keel type method? So you could, if you want to with, you know, let's
0: say with the owner, Um, Mm -hmm. but really the process is they're going to fill it out individually. We jump on a call or meet in person and we talk it out. Right. Okay. And oftentimes, if you have five people fill it out, you're mm-hmm. going to get three different directions and answers. Right. So if, and that's more often than not, that they're not on the same page. So now imagine hiring somebody and having three different expectations. That person is set up for, to fail. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, so it forces everyone to get on the same page and actually that process is the actual goal right the job target is the result of it but the process yes. is getting on the same page and having an objective tool to be able to use to do it
1: and that way when they come in the company like everybody is giving them the same answers like you need to focus on this your results need to be x y and z and this yep. is where your focus needs to be versus coming in a company it's like oh no you can do some admin stuff you can do some research over here some prospecting you know what i mean like of course the cfo once to squeezes as much you know, revenue as they can out of you and have you handle everything. You right. know what I mean? But when you decide that directed before they come in and everybody has that right in front of them, like, hey, this is the scope of work essentially. And then the controllable actions and the results that we're after, and everybody's on that same page, you know, that's that's exactly what you do when you build a sales program. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's yeah that's the perfect example of that. So what have you can you give us maybe one test case where you've done this for a client and they've had an experience through this?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's many different, um, fields, right. Mm -hmm. All the way from nursing homes to grocery stores. Um, but in a sales example, to kind of keep it here, I think Mm -hmm. the number one thing, uh, that we've seen is two, two scenarios. One, we talked about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's taking your top producer, your top individual contributor mm-hmm. and then make them the, the manager, um, which, you know, if you haven't done a behavioral job target for the manager versus let's call it an outside sales role. Um, you're not hundred percent certain that those roles, behaviorally speaking, uh, have the same kind of needs, right? Mm-hmm. And type of person that would be successful in it. Um, so we see that a lot where we can kind of reverse engineer and diagnose some performance problems, Mm -hmm. from a sales perspective then of course all sales organizations aren't the same and then all sales positions aren't the same um you have you know hunters and and basically you know um I I call it whale hunters right people that have a higher tolerance for risk they'd much more likely and and much more appreciate an unlimited ceiling of earning but they're Mm -hmm. willing to risk any kind of safety and security for that people are 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 either wired for that or they are not, um, and yeah. we can easily uh, determine that through the, the the assessments that we do. Right, mm-hmm. so you start to look at some of these, you know, com- commission based roles that are, um, you know, let's face it, when you're in the field, you're kind of on an island, so you need yeah a different kind of support system. Um, you have to also be very autonomous and very independent, and all of that. Self motivated. Self motivated um, versus, you know, somebody who doesn't tolerate risk as well. And maybe they like doing more repetitive things every day. They they Mm -hmm. prefer a bit more safety and security. They don't care as much about the um, unlimited ceiling of earning. They might say, hey, I'd much rather be guaranteed a hundred grand versus the opportunity to make 500 grand with no, um, no salary or no draw, right? Mm -hmm. So those two people are very different as well. Looking at like a farmer relationship builder, cultivator versus a hunter um in sales organizations in the beginning don't often think about that because everybody has to do everything in the beginning right and and it makes sense but eventually you have to start looking at you know employee turnover and burning people out Mm
1: -hmm. and saying
0: how much is that actually costing us whether it's tangible or intangibles like interviewing people recruiting people training onboarding Ramping them up and, and you have to look at, okay, well, how do I, how do I mitigate that? How do I minimize the turnover? How do I keep people in their positions long enough and then make sure that they're actually wired
1: for the role? Now that makes a lot of sense. And honestly, those profiles that you're kind of walking through just by themselves could really help sales organizations and just business owners target their next hire. You know what I mean? Especially when it comes to sales and understanding, you know, all right, what's your history? Are you simply, like you said, a hunter-gatherer, bringing in the business, and then somebody else manages it from there? Because that that's what happens a lot is, you have that one salesperson that goes out, hunts for the business, brings it in, and then they also have that salesperson doing account management, Yeah. And shit. They have been doing some fulfillment too on top of that. And like you said, burnout happens, right? So when they split those roles, understanding the personality profiles for each, and then targeting them and then hiring for them, you know, it just, it reminds me of solar. And, you know, you have uh, salespeople that will die on the sword of I'm the setter, I'm the closer, and then I'm the account management too. And no, all you have now is a job where you can't scale, you know, any of those positions. Right. And so, you know, what it's turned into is the setter and all they do is bring in the leads, set the appointments, closure goes in and closes the appointments. And then you have the project manager that manages the account from inception to, uh, turning the power on essentially. And so, um, I think a, a a business like that is set to scale and it has three different profile types that it's hiring for you know what i'm saying one of them has nothing to do with sales and everything to do with project management you know which is a whole nother profile you should be hiring for but expecting one person to do all three of those things is just it it works in the beginning because you have to right you know it's like i can't hire three people and support them in this role in the beginning and it's typically the owner doing all of that right but you know you can start hiring for that that next role which typically is the project manager and then it's the setter and and then eventually it's the whole sales team or the whole, yeah yeah you nail the uh, sales it. flow i should say you nailed it and no, that's uh, huge so you take your closer predictive out. index i had what's okay. that
0: i was going to say you can't take your best closer out of what they do right. uniquely well and throw them into a account management role because now they're doing nothing well <laughs> Yeah, not, exactly well and they're not you know kind of
1: in their power of closing mm-hmm. You've just handcuffed them right so what is the what is your service actually look like with the predictive index what's the process for that and then uh what does a business owner or a sales manager need to invest in order to to take advantage of that
0: yeah so um i use two different assessments one is the colby one is the predictive index okay. um Little fun fact for everybody, if you Google assessments, there's over 800 out there in the market today. Um, But only a handful are actually scientifically validated for pre-hire and selection. Um, Predictive Index and Colby are two of the handful. They measure very different things, but they solve for the same problems. Um, So in order to engage with either one, um, Predictive Index I kind of like because it's more of a knowledge transfer. Mm-hmm. And then it's um, unlimited use for the um, software. So um, let's say a company of, you know, 50 employees or so wants to engage with me to solve a, a, a turnover problem or a hiring problem. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk with each other, kind of do a needs analysis, discovery call, figure out what the best approach would be. And then they end up doing uh, the unlimited use annual client agreement um, through us in Predictive Index, let's say, if we mm-hmm. use that. And, um, and then we do an, I do a knowledge transfer training with their leadership team, whether it's the owner or if they have an executive team or something that resembles that, mm-hmm. uh, as well as any kind of like frontline managers. And I train them on this. I train them how to use it on a day-to-day basis so they have access on a live basis to be able to use this to solve the problems as they're going. Um, and then I sit on the bench, right? I'm, I'm kind of like shotgun in the car. They right. call me, text me, email me, however they want to get a hold of me. I'm, I make myself very available uh, mm-hmm. to be able to help them solve their, their kind of people problems or create job targets or even just serve as a uh, mediator to talk through some of the job <laughs> targets for the process
1: I talked about a little bit. Gotcha. And then, so you've got the 50-person the company. What about someone that's like, you know, is this scalable down to someone that just wants to hire their first sales manager or their first sales role? Yeah, yeah. And that's where the Colby Index comes in. It measures um, slightly different things, right?
0: So predictive index measures, motivating drives and then the needs and behaviors that you can predict of those motivating drives. So very unique, um, very repeatable, um, measurable, repeatable. Over time, it's stable as well. Colby Mm -hmm. is also very stable over time. It's who you are, how you're hardwired, literally it doesn't change over time um a little more scalable because you can just do one person whether it's an individual you're coaching or a job target for just one person gotcha. it's more uh per drink at that point so way less money from an engagement standpoint that a little sense. less scalable but not terrible but it still solves for the same problems colby yeah, measures so could, oh, i'm sorry i, I could colby measures basically um how you uniquely solve problems while striving and then free to be yourself okay very cool
1: so i could hire for a sales manager and then turn around and hire for like a project management person and then turn around and and hire for this other person and it's you know more of a per hire basis correct correct awesome. whereas the other ones on un- unlimited use and you know you get as many hires as you want okay so what's next for for your c- consulting company on the predictive index standpoint, like, are you guys looking for certain opportunities or is it more just scaling it slowly over time? Yeah. From, from a business
0: standpoint for myself, we're growing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a solopreneur with uh, VA and then I enlist, um, other master trainers. If I have like larger groups, let's say it's a, a, a executive team and frontline managers of 30, yeah. I'll bring in somebody to, to help me facilitate that, um, just mm-hmm. from a, coverage standpoint but I travel all over the country um I do a lot of virtual as well um so we're growing really my my sweet spot of companies that I I help Predictive Index is uh 50 employees all the way to a thousand and then Colby Mm -hmm. is everything from two employees all the way to 50. and that's kind of how I I separate compartmentalize and use them on Mm -hmm. on that um I'm publishing my book Shameless Plug how to succeed in spite of yourself it's a uh the ultimate guide to leadership through self-awareness fun story it's not like you know super long but it's all about leadership it's all about self-awareness and -hmm. it's told through kind of like a fun story a lot of leadership lessons embedded in that but I'm excited for that because it really drives home a lot of what I talk about on a day-to-day basis with clients and what I've seen but I've kind of thrown in thrown it into a story line so you can follow along and, and kind it. of resonate with it right
1: yeah but that's the biggest challenge I'm gonna have with writing my book because I'm such a tactical like systems and processes dude and yeah. that's boring <laughs> it's- so whenever like like I was on that sales call earlier and 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 the guy's like hey man like I'm gonna sign up you don't have to go through all of this you know what I'm saying yeah. I'm like I want to show you what I'm delivering to you like I work hard on this you know like Right. Like, look at my, my toy, you know, like I want to show it to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you yeah, know, yeah, but like, it's boring yeah. for other people, you know, they're like, I understand I need all this crap. Just send me the invoice and let's get rolling. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, I'll take those too because. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, that's awesome, man. So the last question I typically ask is around legacy, you know, what, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? That's a great question. Um,
0: you know, I think my legacy is going to be my children and the impact that they have and leave on the world. Um, so I'm pouring everything into my children. I'm, I'm trying to lead by example with them, for them, um, give them a great, I would say, um, ground work of, of having a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, those are things that are very important to me i can't control what they do as they become adults or um what happens to them either in in life but i can make them um very smart very resilient i want to kind of teach them how to just how to understand that like you know there's this kind of like box and that's like the game of life right and we got to like jump into that box to play the game but i want them to see out i want them to zoom out and recognize that that is just a box and and i want them to kind of live outside of that box and pop into the box when they need to um but i want to just give them a a different view of 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 everything what success looks like what Mm -hmm. a good person looks like um being a good christian looks like um all of that stuff and then I, i guess beyond that my company of course i think you know just leading by example and helping people understand their unique strengths and hopefully through that creating better leaders and then mm-hmm. also minimizing people from having depression and burning out and kind of maybe being in the wrong seat right without yeah. standing that or recognizing it um and then of course um you you mentioned land <laughs> yeah uh, I, I'm looking at uh, 10 acres of land right here in Savannah that I'm going to pull the trigger on literally, I think, this week or next week. Beautiful. And legacy land, right? I, I, you know, we'll build our homestead on that, and then mm-hmm. we'll have of room for our daughters, if they choose, to uh, raise their families and build houses on the same land. Or at a very minimum, have mm-hmm.
1: perhaps, that would be
0: valuable down the road, like the 10 acres, right?
1: yeah absolutely and then they'll have that home that they can always go to that's right that's yeah. right absolutely no I love it I, I love how hyper focused you are on the kids though I mean your your answer was 85 percent your kids right everything else was kind of like yeah my business of course and then um but you went right back to what you're going to leave behind for your kids from the land aspect so I think when we hyper focus on that I think there's no way we can't actually win when it comes to legacy. You know what I'm saying? Versus, you know, when the answer is typically wide instead of deep, you know, it's very wide. Like I want to impact, you know, a million people, two million people, this whole deal, it it, it become you know, I, I worry about the downside of that, which is losing focus on on those which are closest to you. You know what I'm saying? So love the answer. If if anybody's interested in the services that you provide or just wants to follow you, you know, I know you you're an inter- intermittent fasting freaking genius you know so you came and talked to us about that so you know everything there is to know about intermittent fasting homeschooling hire- hiring leadership you know so you're definitely somebody uh resourceful to follow where do they where do they
0: follow you at so they can uh follow me on on facebook of course mm-hmm. direct message me whenever you want um i'm happy to to give you the predictive index assessment and, and walk you through your results um i think that stuff is super important and then linkedin of course you can find me on linkedin expressing the genius um is all my business stuff if you want to look there and uh of course the book that's coming out i will uh i will let everybody know as soon as that publishes
1: next month i hope at the very latest fantastic yeah and shoot us a link as well um or you can drop it in your podcast folder and uh we'll definitely get the notes updated with that link Okay, awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. Absolutely, brother. Well, thank you for coming on the show.
0: All right. Thanks, Doug. I appreciate you.
1: All right. Let's get building. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. We really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? You learn from the greats. Join us at the Million Dollar Mastermind put on by Ryan Steumann in Frisco, Texas, and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader. The link will be in the description below. As always, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building.